it was the furthest thing from my mind. It was a happy place. We were going to just call our friends and hang out. And it was like I walked into, it kind of felt like a portal. I mean, once that door opened, just it felt like a different world. And so I think once you take those blinders off, and I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. Everybody's an individual. Think what you want. I don't care. But for me personally, once that possibility opened up and the blinders came off, you kind of start to experience more things. I'm Jim Perry, and this is Euphemet, a show about the unknown and our relationship to it. This time, sometimes the night can change even the most familiar of places into something much darker. Next on Euphemet. Last summer, Sean, a former CNA from Yakima, Washington, was visiting his son near Seattle. And late one night, as they were sharing stories and listening to music in this candlelit wood-paneled den, something about it all reminded Sean of being a kid, hanging out in the valley with buddies, sleepovers, and this one crazy night he still can't shake. Well, I was 15 years old, and uh, I had a best friend named Jake, and we would always hang out at his house. His house was the house where all the kids went. We would go there to skateboard, hang out. His mom and dad were so cool. It was that house where the mom would make like 30 sandwiches for all the neighborhood kids, and it was great, man. We loved it. And it was just a day like any other. I was going to Jake's. The only difference was his parents, for the first time ever, were going to go out of town. And they were going to leave us alone, just me and him at the house, which was pretty rare. They were always there. Of course, we were 15. We had instructions to not have parties and all that stuff. And she said that the, her friend was actually going to spend the night, but probably wouldn't be there till late in the evening. So we'd have the whole day to ourselves. Um, I went over to his house and met him on the front porch where we always hung out. Our plans were to call two of our friends, our, our good buddies that we always hung out with. So when we went to Jake's house. I'm not. There was a phone downstairs and a phone upstairs. It was a. It was actually a three-story house, two stories and a basement, and uh, a kind of a big colonial had the big porch in the front. It was an older home. We had to go upstairs. I think it was because. Upstairs, there was like a phone book and a list of numbers, and I think he probably had our friend, other friend's phone number up there. We went upstairs. Nothing was out of the ordinary. I remember walking up the stairs. I was first, and I walked. I knew right where his parents' room was, and I opened the door. And this was, it wasn't dark. It was evening. It wasn't even dusk. It was probably five or six. And I opened the door, and we both walked in the doorway, and I looked. There was a dress. No head, no legs, no arms, but there was a dress, a full-size dress. And it was so weird because 
the dress looked like it was in black and white, like as if you're watching a black and white movie, but everything else was in color. It wasn't like a fancy dress. If I had to think of it, I would think of like Little House on the Prairie and the mom wearing this dress. We both looked and we didn't say a word. And you gotta remember this all happened like in a flash. The dress moved from left to right and it didn't walk, it didn't have a gait, it floated. It literally floated from the left to the right. And there was this energy in the room that I can't even explain. It still gives me chills. It's like if you walk into a room and you feel you feel feelings in a room. You can feel a vibe. Like you can feel like, oh, everybody's sad here, or, Every, or this is awkward. I felt absolute rage. Not rage like I was mad, but I felt like the room was filled with hate and rage and anger. It was a whirlwind of insanity. And as this dress floated and stopped probably five feet in front of us, everything went crazy in the room. I remember we both looked at the phone book that was on this big dresser. And the phone book, the pages started flipping, single, one at a time, like a fan was blowing across it, just ripping. And we both screamed and turned to run. And as we ran out the door, the door slammed so hard right behind me massively like it shook the house like I was for sure it would just explode the door and we ran screaming <laughs> down the stairs and I remember fighting each other in the middle of the stairway because nobody wanted to be in the back and uh, we both ran out the front door just screaming just freaked out I do, I, it's been a long time, but I do remember just kind of being, talking about it with each other, hanging out in the front porch. Even one of my friends, Paul, he even was like, you know, I'm going to go up there, this and that. And him and Kelly did go up there and nothing happened. And we did go back up there. It kind of got more comfortable. It didn't feel as scary. So I do remember that one friend, Kelly, he... He was a little darker than the rest of us, and I remember him suggesting we have a seance. And I kind of knew the concept of a seance, but I didn't really know much about it. And at Jake's house on the main level, there was like kind of like a little table and a kitchen and a living room. And then to the right, there's a little hallway off the kitchen, and then there was like a formal dining room where nobody really used. But it was a big wooden table. And they happened to have like uh, the candles, the big candles in the middle. There was three, I remember, candles. And we lit the middle one and we sat around four of us. Nobody wanted to start. I remember I, I asked a question. So we were just standing there and I said, um, are you a woman? Just simple, I didn't. And the candle flame shot up and danced and it went from a candle flame is probably an inch and a half and this thing probably hit almost five inches and then I, I just waited I didn't know what to do and then the candle slowly went back to normal and then I said were you murdered in this house and the candle flame shot up again and my friend Kelly said stop and we all looked at him and he said 
in this really shaky voice, somebody's hands are on my shoulders. And I blew out the candle and we turned on the light and look and we didn't see anything. And Kelly was done. Absolutely, he's like, I'm gonna go home. I'm done, I'm done. And we were all sitting there talking like, oh dude, just chill out. And the phone rang in the kitchen. And Jake's like, oh, I wonder who that is. And so from this formal dining room, there's a little hallway that goes into the kitchen. And I could see Jake walking through the little hallway and he just stops. And the phone stops ringing and Jake doesn't move, completely frozen. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He didn't say anything. Jake, Jake. So I walk up to him and he's just white and his jaws dropped and I look into the kitchen and this was the old kitchen. It has a massive amounts of cupboards and drawers, just wall to wall. Every single cupboard and drawer was wide open, every single one. We didn't hear a spoon clink, dish move, but every single thing was wide open, completely wide open, including the refrigerator, the freezer door, everything. But when we were all standing there and we told Jake and Kelly, come over here and check this out. And they walk in here, the, I remember the refrigerator started slamming open and shut. Boom, boom, boom. And that's when we ran and I was in the back. Those guys ran first and I was following them and I in the, the extra refrigerator on the back porch opened up and slammed into me and knocked me against the kind of the screened wall. We just all ran in the back and, and into the backyard, into the back alley. And we sat there in the backyard area for quite a while. There was no way Kelly and Paul were gonna spend the night. And there was no way I was gonna leave my best friend. I was gonna spend the night. I remember Kelly and Paul left and me and Jake stayed outside for a while, a long while. And we decided to go back into the house. So our plan was, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go close every cupboard and everything and run back down and run down to his, his bedroom was in the basement and we're gonna camp there, that's it, we're done. We closed everything and darted whew, right down to the basement. Closed his door, got in his room, jumped on the same bed and we just sat there and we talked about what it could be, why. I asked him questions. Have you ever seen anything like this before? No. He said the only weird thing that's ever happened was he thought he could hear people talking through his vent, but he said he did hear like voices or kids laughing before it kind of freaked him out. And so the longer we stayed there in his room, nothing happened. Of course, the braver we got, and, and we started, you know, we were kids, started laughing and talking, and wow, and I remember saying, that was kind of cool, actually, you know, like, I mean, it was scary, but it was kind of cool. I mean, what the hell was that? I kind of wished that something would happen, and as soon as I said that, there was three huge knocks on his bedroom door. 
nothing in the house could do that. He had no pets. He, there was no other people. A locked house in the basement on the door. And we just, I just said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. And we just sat there in his bed quietly for a long time. Like we didn't want to provoke it because I all of a sudden I knew like it's watching us or it can hear us or it knows exactly what we're doing. So as we're downstairs in his room, being quiet and everything, around midnight, um, we heard a boom upstairs, a couple cupboards, bang, bang, and some footsteps. And he was like, dude, you know, at first I was like, what is that? And he's like, dude, the lady's home. The lady that's supposed to spend the night is here. Felt good, like we weren't alone. Okay, good. We stayed downstairs. She was like really walking around a lot. It was kind of weird. I mean, it's not that weird to just come home and get a glass of water or something, but she was walking around a lot. So then we started thinking maybe she brought somebody with her. And it was really weird. We'd hear like water running and then steps and then cupboards. And it just went on for a couple hours, maybe three. Because I, I don't think we really fell asleep till it was like after 3 a.m. We didn't sleep long. We, I remember we got up pretty early. It was probably like 8 o'clock in the morning. Everything feels different when the sun comes out, you know, and nothing feels as scary. I, we just got up and we're like, okay, let's go eat some breakfast. So we went upstairs. I remember we were eating cereal and talking and stuff. And then I remember Jake saying something about, I wonder if that lady's still here. And he looked outside and her car was gone. So I remember him going upstairs to do something. And so I know it was, I, I can't remember what he was getting, something upstairs. He ran upstairs. He's like, dude, come here. The upstairs was like a cyclone hit it. Like the bathtub was filled with water. And I remember it, it kind of creeped me out. There was a pair of pantyhose floating in the water. And I remember the dresser drawers in his mom's room were open and there was clothes scattered. I remember kind of straightening up. I remember letting the water out of the tub, things like that. Not, not like we cleaned it or anything, but just kind of like the weird stuff. We just kind of took care of it. And we went back downstairs to finish breakfast. And I remember eating cereal and then the front door opening and that lady comes in. I never met her before, but she's like, oh, hey, honey, hi, Jake, and this and that. And she just sits down with us at the table and we're munching out and she just looks at Jake. She's like, you have to do me a big favor. And he's like, what? Please, please don't tell your mom I didn't come here last night. It was never <laughs> She said she fell asleep at her boyfriend's and she never came. And she made him promise not to tell her because she knows that, you know, she let her let her down, she'd be angry. And I remember the look on Jake's face, he just turned white. And we just looked at each other and didn't say a word. And he just said, okay, I won't tell her, don't worry about it, no big deal. And she took off. And I remember straightening up before his parents got home. I remember him saying, I don't even know how I could possibly explain this. Like, 
And we never told a soul. We never told its mom and dad. That was it. That was, it was just a night of madness. And it was weird. Once his parents came back and stuff, I never felt uncomfortable being at his house. I never felt, I stayed at his house plenty of times after that. And of course we talked about it, mentioned it, or I'd always be like, did anything happen? You know, that kind of thing, no. And it never felt hostile. It's so weird, like just recently, it was during our lockdown with COVID. So it was maybe six months ago. Um, I took my mom, uh, we went on a, a drive. And sometimes if I drive, you know, I'll take her on a drive and we'll kind of reminisce old neighborhood stuff like that. And I said, hey, let's go see Jake's house. I haven't been there forever. And so of course the whole neighborhood looked a lot different now. And I'm driving down and I see, I know Jake's house is on the left and I start to pull over and my eyes went directly up the window that was up to the right. I couldn't tell you what color the house was now. I couldn't tell you anything because my eyes couldn't leave that window. I never felt that in my life. And I'm telling, this was only six months ago. I've thought about it and I, I can't even describe how it felt. I felt 100% something was staring at me. Something that hated my guts. Something that wanted me dead. Something that, it was awful. It was awful. My eyes couldn't leave that window. I started to pull over. Every hair on my body said straight up and I just kept going. And I'm mom's going, which one is it? Which one? Is it? And I was like, oh, is that, that, it was back there, but there's people out in the yard. I didn't want to stop. And I just kept going. And well, she'll know now, I never told her. <laughs> But if she hears this, she'll know. But it was the eeriest thing I ever felt. And why it hates me, I don't know. The only thing I ever came up with was I crossed the line. I caught it doing, maybe it, it does things all the time and it's never been caught. You know what I mean? I just saw the apparition and that was enough for it to hate me. It really freaked me out because it was like, you know, it happened, what, 35, 37 years ago, and it, it felt like it was then. That feeling felt like it was back, like there was no, there was no 30 year time lapse. I just, as soon as I went there, I felt this fear, this rage, the same rage that initially was in that room, that just like a storm of anger and hatred swirling that was directed at me like laser beams from that window and it scared me and i i felt and like i couldn't stop like i had to get out of there i just had this feeling like i don't know it kind of sounds weird but like it wanted to cling to me and i didn't want it to cling to me Thank you for listening to this edition of Euphemet. This feature was done by producer and composer of Euphemet, John McEdward. The story, originally aired on his podcast, Anomalous Waves, 
You can check that out at anomalouswaves.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you to John's dad, Sean, for being our guest. Sean is a Uvamet listener, and you can have your story featured too. Reach out at jim at uvamet.com. Thank you, of course, always to our sponsors for everything Uvamet, including how you can subscribe to the show. Links to our Patreon and social media. Visit uvamet.com. We have a new listener survey. If you can take a moment to fill that out for us, it'll really help the show. Find that as well at uvamet.com. Also, check out Night Drift. It's our weekly radio broadcast discussing Euphemet and hosting panels on topics at the intersection of society and strange. Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. This has been Euphemet. I'm Jim Perry. And until next time, keep looking up.